Hello, and welcome to the Lemon Tree Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Allison Sukameli. Each week, I'll be taking the science of positive psychology, adding a little humor, and through evidence-based research, providing you with tools and strategies to help you live a life of peace and purpose. In this episode, I speak with Angela Reiner on a wide range of topics, including her business called The Flourishing Co., overcoming a sense of emptiness and meaninglessness, the capacity for levity and joy despite suffering, the distinction between positive psychology coaching and therapy, building new pathways in your life, personal measures of success, living a harmonic life, healing from perfectionism, loving the dark spots within us, and postpartum support groups. But first, you may want to check out the Flourishing Co.'s Joy Journal, which may help you shift your outlook on your day for the better. It contains short journal prompts for both morning and night. You can express gratitude, self-love, and set clear goals to focus on and feel proud of accomplishing daily, which has been proven to have a meaningful impact on mental well-being. This journal is also a great gift for those who want to focus on personal growth or a meaningful gift for yourself. And you can find it in the shop at theflourishingco.com shop. My guest today is the author of The Flourishing Co.'s Joy Journal, so she will be telling you more about it and the inspiration behind it in this episode. And teachers, I know most of us are back to school already or are heading back shortly. If you need a little spark or some grease in the wheels when it comes to lesson planning or self-care, check out my shop on TPT called The Lemon Tree by AKS. There are some free lessons and organizers to help you kick off the school year right, as well as some back-to-school sales on other products site-wide and just not in my own shop. So check it out, see if there's anything that will save you some time. Again, that's TeachersPayTeachers.com, and my shop name is The Lemon Tree by AKS. And finally, if you'd like some daily inspiration, you can also follow me on Instagram at The Lemon Tree Coaching. I share quotes from books and articles that I'm currently reading and make recommendations from time to time. I appreciate any and all kind comments, gratitude, and support. You can feel free to reach out at any time. Okay, let's get into this week's episode with my dear friend, colleague, and profound psychology coach, Angela Reiner. Angela is the founder and positive psychology coach of The Flourishing Co., author of The Flourishing Co.'s Joy Journal, which was mentioned in the introduction of this episode, as well as others. And Angela is an adjunct professor and course lead of positive psychology at Pepperdine University. She holds a bachelor's degree in international affairs and business management from Northeastern University, a master's degree in positive organizational development and change from Case Western Reserve University, and an executive certificate in leadership coaching from Georgetown University. She is also a certified yoga instructor and a certified ICF professional certified coach. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Angela. Hi, it's great to see you, Allison. <laughs> yeah, so glad to be talking with you. Likewise. Um, so would you like to tell us about your business and how the Flourishing Co. came to be? Yeah, so my business is a positive psychology coaching and consulting practice. Um, it's basically, well, I'm guessing that many people know what positive psychology is listening to this podcast, but it's basically using positive psychology uh, and facilitating change through the modalities of coaching and consulting, where I work with individuals, but I also work in um, organizations. I work in community settings uh, with groups of individuals collectively around finding their strengths, looking at what could go right in, in their work and in their lives and also um, capitalizing on that, where instead of us digging deep into the problems that are rooted, then instead we come from this place of strengths where we find solutions using our strengths that will inherently eradicate the problems because we're moving in a direction that's really going to energize the individual or the group uh, towards a greater vision that they hold for their life, for their work, for their organization per se. Uh, And the way I came about this is actually because (laughs) I was in a job in an organization that didn't 
fit. It didn't feel right at the moment. Everything I had done on paper was like the perfect life for me, uh, I thought. Um, And yet I was feeling unfulfilled. I was feeling burnt out. I was feeling just not happy with what I was doing. And so it was actually a pretty noble organization uh, doing public health in developing countries. We were focused on eradicating certain epidemics in the world, like Ebola. That was like a whole emergency response in West Africa at the time. It was all hands on deck. And it was really this heart-centered humanitarian work. I was doing human resources, supporting those doctors. But again, when the emergency and the sense of urgency subsided and we went back to our day-to-day jobs at this nonprofit, I was feeling a sense of emptiness, a sense of meaninglessness. And I felt like I wasn't giving myself my best and I wasn't helping our staff feel their best. And so um, somebody recommended therapy to me and I just kind of said, "Mm -mm, that's not for me right now. I think therapy is a great modality, but I just didn't feel like I needed to dive into reflection or the past. I needed to like put one step in front of another, one foot in front of another and move forward. And so I ended up stumbling upon someone who was a positive psychology coach. And I was like, well, this sounds interesting. I'm all about this. And she transformed my life. She transformed the way I worked with the people in this organization. Um, And then this really light lit a fire under me that I kind of came back to her after six plus months of working together and said, Hey, I want to do what you do. And she said, awesome. (laughs) I want to support you in doing what I would do. Um, And so I went off and I got certified in positive psychology uh, and I um, really fell in love with it. And it was actually in the beginning steps of my certification. And I know this is a long-winded answer, Allison, but it's a story. Um, I, uh, when I first was embarking on the certification, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do the year long. So I did a weekend introduction to positive psychology with one of the teachers, Maria Soroya. Um, and she is part of the whole being Institute. Uh, and I did this at this like yoga retreat in the Berkshires called Kropalo. And it was actually during that retreat that it really came forth to me that, um, I was there, it was silent at breakfast there. There was, it was unplugged. Like there, we were off, you know, off TV, off screens, off our phones, Um, And so there was a lot of downtime uh, in those moments between our sessions. And so I went and I did this like energetic healing session where I just laid down and it felt like Reiki to me. I'm not really sure what this woman did, but uh, it opened something up in me to just lay in complete silence as I was processing the shift. And I recall this childhood memory of this time that my mom had us volunteering uh, with Mother Teresa's organization as a kid. Um, And I I was obsessed with smiley faces as a kid. I had smiley face posters. I had smiley face t-shirts. And as we were volunteering, we're volunteering in the home, in this home where um, it was with, you know, the destitute and dying. So these were elderly people who were facing the end of life, who literally had no family, nothing. And so we brought them Christmas gifts. And there was this one woman who I felt this profound connection to, like she was my own grandmother. And um, and I bought her smiley face slippers. So that little experience, I always thought was to do human rights work. It was always to help serve the poorest of the poor, to be doing things like public health in developing countries when people are facing life-threatening disease. And what I realized when I recalled that memory was, that those individuals we serve taught me something in that they, they planted the seed. And it was, you know, that woman who I shared those smiley face slippers with, um, that when I did that, everybody in that home was so cheerful. They were laughing, they were playing jokes. Um, and that really it was the seed of despite whatever suffering we experience in life, we still have the capacity for levity and joy And me as that child handing those slippers over is a way of me being of service to help remind people that they have the capacity to experience levity and joy, despite whatever suffering they're experiencing in their life or their work. And 
And that was, that was kind of the glimmer of like, whoa, this is a calling for me. And this is really what I meant to do. So although I was supposed to do this mission-based work, maybe the mission is shifting the paradigm around well-being and helping people really uncover what true well-being and happiness is for them in their lives and in their work and how we can operate from that lens rather than what society tells us this may be, which tends to have some flaws based on the research. So um, yeah, so very long-winded answer, but there you have it. (laughs) Oh, it's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. And if we could get into, I know you mentioned briefly at the beginning, um, what type of services you offer? Could Mm -hmm. you give maybe a little bit more detail? Yeah. So I offer coaching for individuals, which means that like one-on-one coaching, it it's pretty similar to like a therapy setup in that sense, but very different than therapy. And I will make that distinction where clients can meet with me either in person. I'm located in the San Francisco Bay area um, in Half Moon Bay, or we meet virtually. So I can literally meet with you anywhere around the country or the world. Um, and we'll just set up an hour together and, you know, really from this place of inquiry, explore with you and start building new pathways forward in your life that work for you um, from the strength-based lens. Um, And so that's the one-on-one coaching. I also do group coaching, which um, doesn't happen as frequently, but I do host sessions in group settings. Right now I'm about to launch one. That's a postpartum support group here in our community. Um, there's still exploration if this will also be an offering virtually, uh, for people in the future, but, um, where we actually use positive psychology in a group setting for specific populations. Um, and then I also do consulting work. And so I'll put consulting as change management, which could be anything using positive psychology and positive organizational development to change an organization, uh, that could take, you know, six months or be an ongoing process of change in an organization. And it involves, you know, some strategic planning, but it also involves interventions like using um, appreciative inquiry or team coaching or executive coaching. Um, It can involve all sorts of processes and planning. It could be doing things to enhance employee well-being through um, emotional intelligence, using tools like the leadership circle, uh, which I'm certified in and, and whatnot as well. Um, so that's that's what I can do in a consulting basis ongoing for companies, but I also do workshops. So workshops is pretty open-ended. That can be for companies where I come in for like a retreat or an event. I had a company even invite me in around Christmas time to just do it as like a celebration for the marketing team to be like, let's just talk about happiness here for a bit. Um where we, you know, we'll do more of a workshop setting. And I've done that and anywhere across the board from like huge, massive, um, publicly traded tech companies to that are here in the Bay area to, you know, small groups like a preschool or a beach cleanup nonprofit, um, where I'll do workshops, uh, with, you know, the teachers or I'll do workshops with the staff. Um, and I also do workshops in community settings and have done that in the past too, where it's just open to a group, uh, here in the community and it's just come one, come all, and uh, we can explore different topics of positive psychology together. So um, that's like a bunch of the different modalities that fall within my practice. Um, there's probably more. Come to me with your suggestion and I'll probably be like, let's brainstorm together and co-create what that opportunity could be as well. But um, yeah, I hope that helps answer my services. Yeah, awesome. And for somebody that's maybe not familiar with positive psychology or coaching or the therapy world, um, could you maybe give us some details on what one of your intake sessions might look like for an, an individual, like maybe coming to you the first time, maybe they're a little hesitant and is this yeah. or not? So for every potential client or anyone interested, I just recommend reaching out, like even if it's just like a little voice in you that's interested, or maybe you just want to begin the conversation because it doesn't need to be a formal intake process. It can just be a little bit of Q and a, but also I also offer, um, 15 minute or I'm sorry, 30 minute. I don't know why I said 15, 30 minute, um, complimentary consultation calls to all new clients. So, 
what we'll do is before I even meet you, we're going to hop on the phone together. We're going to schedule that time. And it's really to explore what you're looking for. And then to talk about my services in positive psychology and, and, and how that can work in relation to your needs um, and answer any questions you have to go through pricing, to go through how the sessions are structured. And then um, if it's a match and it feels good to you, then we would proceed forward and you would have a coaching agreement with me that you would sign off on. You would do a strengths assessment um, before we even start working together. And then we would start meeting for our regular sessions on, I typically recommend a bi-weekly basis depending on the, the client. So that's every other week. Um, I don't think it's necessary to meet every single week. Um, and I really do want to equip my clients to be able to do homework, if you will, or just like reinforcement work on their own between sessions to take ownership of their own um, their own journey and and to be able to eventually spread their wings and fly on their own. Like my my mission is not to keep you as a client, but, to give you the empowerment and the tools to help you be able to coach yourself through future things, because there will always be hurdles in life. And so really just having the ability to feel supported and feel like you have the tools necessary to get through that on your own. That said, I do have clients who boomerang back and they have a new life need and they come meet with me again years later. Um, So so that's how, how an intake would go. You know, it would be that 30 minute complimentary consultation call before we even meet uh, in person or on Zoom. Um, and positive psychology is really, again, it's about looking at what makes life worth living. It's about fueling what brings you joy, what brings you meaning, what brings you a sense of purpose. Um it's not really about what's going wrong in your life, but it's not that I'm saying that that doesn't matter. It absolutely does. It's just that when we're experiencing hardship or we're experiencing failure or we're experiencing stress, adversity, depression, you name it, how do we find the hope at the end of the tunnel? How do we find that inner resilience to overcome what those are? And so really using the strengths-based approach is going to give us the tools not in a toxic positivity way, but in a realistic way to say that actually sometimes when we're facing the darker, harder periods of our life, that we actually need a glimmer of light. We need positivity to help us overcome what that might be um, and that it is a balancing act. Um, And so I feel like I'm not trying to bash anything here, but if we're not using positive psychology in mental health or in well-being, uh, I don't know how we are overcoming these issues in the first place because we're just sitting in the issue and reinforcing the fact that we're talking about the problem without much solution at hand. So where where is the pathway out? Um, and I do think that there is profound power to processing that. Um, but I also think that these other tools can be highly complementary too. Um And I will make the distinction here between coaching and therapy that I am not a licensed therapist. I am a coach for a reason. I've made that choice for my occupation and where I see my strengths best suit. And I think it's because therapy, although incredibly powerful and valuable, and I have used it plenty of time in my life. I have some amazing therapists that I've worked with and amazing friends that are therapists. Uh, it, it really can be much more of um, a deep dive, reflective process. Maybe it ties back to your childhood in some ways, or it ties back to deep rooted patterns or um, instances that happen within a family dynamic, uh, with, happen in relationships, um, you know, traumas that you experience that really need unpacking and that can compassionate support. And I do feel like there's validity there, but I think with coaching, it's a little bit more present in future tense where I'm not going to be diving into that with you. I actually think I would refer a client to therapy. If those were the issues they want to cover, it's really about, Hey, are you feeling on solid enough footing where maybe you've done that work or you're simultaneously doing that work 
but you also feel like it's time to start moving forward and paving a new pathway forward, practicing new behaviors or patterns forward, uh, making shifts in your life or in your career forward, um, shifts in your relationships forward, uh, going through any of those transitions, you also may need support and navigating where is the compass pointing north in your life again? And um, how can I guide and support you on that trajectory too, to make those dreams a reality. Awesome. And with that said, um, what's the most common challenge that clients seem to come to you with? Um, I definitely think because of my background in human resources and organizational development, I get a lot of clients who have some sort of discontent with their career. Um, that tends to be the number one. Or maybe clients who lead with that, but we end up going a little deeper and maybe there's some other issues around health or self-care or around relationships or unfulfilled or unmet relationships that they're also looking to fill that cup with. Um, And so honoring that for them too, that we can talk about all of those topics. In fact, I do have clients usually go through some sort of intake assessment of all areas of their life, whether it's health or it's financial or it's fun, like how much fun you're having in your life um, to assess like where, where the gaps are, where the need is to feel like you're living a full life again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And could you share how you help um, high performers create a new relationship with success and achieve some sort of sustainable work-life balance? Mm, That's a great question. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting because high performers, there are two types of high performers. So there's some I can help and there's some who are just living it and doing it. I just want to give those people props for how how they're doing it, if they're already doing it. Um, But I would say that you know, myself included being a recovering perfectionist, uh, perfectionism can really get in the way of performance feeling sustainable. It can get in the way of feeling a sense of ease or balance in your life. Um, and so really helping people rewrite the narrative around performance and not letting fear be the driver or inadequacy or imperfection being the driver for the ability to achieve, but helping people see their strengths as mobilizers, uh, energizers, if you will, um, and to have a greater sense of faith and trust in their innate ability to show up and perform at even a higher caliber when they're really feeling happy and fulfilled with what they do. So um, Sean Acor's equation, I love it. I, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, but um, that we tend to think in American culture, especially that um, once we're successful, we'll be happy and that we keep having to climb this letter, ladder of success, whether it be uh, you know the career ladder or maybe it's the ladder of dating and then being married and then uh, having 2.5 kids and the white picket fence and the perfect life. Um, but that we have these benchmarks that we think we should meet by a certain time uh, to be successful and that those external indicators will help us eventually be happy and probably retired by that point. <laughs> um, that's when we get to experience joy is once we're retired, I guess, in this in this formula. And Sean Aker says that that formula is wrong. And the formula really is that when we're happy, we will immediately be successful. And I believe that's right. There are so many people who go to work every day feeling disconnected, unfulfilled at what they do, but doing it for a paycheck and thinking that maybe if they get a pay raise or they get a new job title as manager or director, that suddenly that will that will feel better. Temporarily, it will. Um, but really, if we're going to work and we feel highly engaged and connected to what we do, if we feel happy and fulfilled at what we're doing, we feel called maybe a greater sense of purpose with the work we're doing, whatever that is. I mean, it could literally be, um, you know, as a side note, but I've interviewed people in all sorts of occupations, all sorts of jobs. I literally did consulting with a 
a compost collection for uh, organization. I mean, these people are collecting your trash for a living, but if they feel a sense of purpose that they're helping, you know, regenerate the environment and fighting climate change while they collect your trash, that makes a heck of a difference compared to being, I'm the garbage guy that picks up your, your dirty, you know, trash and, and food scraps. Um, and so, so just having that lens of shift where you can notice what that calling is for yourself and feel that in your work is going to help you be successful. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I would say to the high performers out there. If you're doing that already, if you feel that sense of purpose, if you're building on your strengths and, uh, feeling that sense of, of fulfillment in your work rather than your inadequacy, you're probably on the right track. If you're doing this out of a place of imposter syndrome, scarcity, uh, desperation, fear, uh, cut that out, (laughs) find what's going to bring you joy and settle for good enough. Like, you know, good enough and showing up is 99% of the battle of performance, I think. So. Okay, great. And you kind of already answered this a little bit, but how do you personally measure success? And can you share some positive psychology coaching success stories? Mm. Oh, I personally measure success. Well, this is interesting because I do ask this of clients from time to time. I'll say, what is your currency of success? Mm. Is it money? Because that's what that's what America tells me. It should be all GDP and how much we're earning and who can be the next Jeff Bezos billionaire. Um, But when I ask people this, 99% of the time, it is not money. It's something else. And for me, it's quality time. It's around how I spend my time and who I spend my time with. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, time is the only finite resource we have. Money comes and goes, but I've got, I don't know how many minutes or hours in this lifetime before it's up. And I want to use that wisely. Um, and so with coaching clients, what was your question about the coaching clients? Um, if there's any positive psychology coaching success stories that you could share. Oh, yeah. Um, certainly so. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of which one would be the most fun to share, but the one that comes to me first, well, there are two, um, this was back. I mean, God, this must've been close to five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fun when it's been that long because you can really look back and see the track record, the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with a client who was a grad student in psychology and she was debating upon graduation, if she wanted to go into therapy and traditional psychology and all that. And we were in Boston at the time and her family lived in the Midwest and she kind of voiced this like whisper to me of like, you know, at the end of the day, I really just want to own a boutique. (laughs) I want to own a boutique and build community around that. And in my community, um, I want to be married. I want to have kids. Um, she was single, very single at the time. Uh, and you know, she had job offers in Boston to do what she was going to school for. And she ended up taking a riskier move. She accepted a job in Chicago and then she ended up leaving that job, but she did, you know, it was a great run there. She did it while she needed to. And then she did, she saved her money. She, um, used her resources. She was very strategic and she opened, a brick and mortar shop, downtown Chicago has her boutique. It is booming. It is so cool to see that she's built this happily engaged to a really sweet guy. Um, I think they might own a dog together. You know, they're like building a life. Like they're like want kids. Like it's all, it's all happening for her now. And it is so cool to see, like, that's a huge leap to go from geographically from one place. And she's near her family in the Midwest now. So Um, that's pretty amazing to see. And, you know, I still keep in touch with her from time to time. And that's really cool to see how her dreams and her aspirations are fulfilling. And, uh, it was not a direct path. Um, yeah. And I have a few stories like that, where people have gone off, started their own business, you know, we're looking to settle down, get married. I have another one who, uh, I think she had a boyfriend at the time, but 
they were serious, but now they're married, happily married. They just welcomed a baby. She's got a thriving business. Um, she's got like a huge social media following. I need to ask her for tips on how to do that. Um, but she's killing it. And she was in a job that was really handcuffing her. Like she could not leave that job. And somehow she broke free and was able to do that. So um, I've definitely had you know, a handful of clients where it's really cool to see them live that out and continuously live it out. And it's been this many, you know, half a decade. And those goals they spoke about when we sat down, like they were really envisioning that and trying to make that come to fruition. And they did. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you've done a lot of research regarding happiness and why does happiness matter? Hmm. That's a great question. Well, again, I, it's not really why does happiness matter? I think it's like you're given what, regardless of what your religious or spiritual belief is the, the only certainty we know for sure, although there might be many more lives than this one is that we're given this one life we're given this time on earth. And, uh, and it's like, well, you know, I'm not saying don't enjoy it, you know, and don't, you know, let's just like languish here. Uh, I think it's okay to have those hard moments in life that also makes life more, more worthy of living. But I think it's also savoring those sweet moments in life and celebrating them and really being able to look back one day and say, Hey, it was a hell of a ride. And this was really fun. And I did all these things that were profoundly meaningful to me and profoundly meaningful to others in my life. And, um, yeah, that like I enjoyed doing it. And so I think that's really, it's like a deeper sense of happiness. It's a little bit more eudaimonic, Mm -hmm. um, or even what I just recently heard at this positive psychology conference I was at is we talk a lot about hedonic and eudaimonic, which these are again, psychology terms here. So, but that there might also be a harmonic. And I wonder about that too. It's just like a harmonious life. So I don't know if it would be a happy life, but necessarily a harmonious life, I think is really important to live. And uh, that's something that's been a true value to me since I was young. Like I, that's, that actually came up in a therapy session when I was 16 is harmony being a really big value of mine. So that's what I'm helping people try to do. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, and your most recent blog post is titled loving the darkness will set you free Can you <laughs> speak to this a little bit. <laughs> well, maybe that is the harmonic, right? Like, uh, I was actually on a yoga retreat in Tulum a few months ago and yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a deep one. I mean, this is not like an easy positive psychology one, but I kind of had this spiritual experience while I was laying in Shavasana. And I think it's an act of self-compassion, which is something I work a lot with clients on too, Uh, especially those perfectionists, those recovering perfectionists is how to give yourself more grace and compassion, like a dear friend. Um, And I'm still doing that work myself, but uh, just more of a personal reflection on um, that these dark, dark parts of us, the parts that we despise, we hate, get us annoyed. When you look in the mirror, the things you want to fix about yourself that, uh, or you want to reject about yourself, if you will. I kind of had this epiphany that when we love those parts of ourselves, it's like giving each little unlovable part of you a hug. And that's where the liberation happens. It's not from rejecting or disowning or um, criticizing those parts of who we are. It's about giving those parts that we hate about ourselves or that we despise just a warm hug that they too belong to who we are, imperfections at all. And when we can do that, there's like a sense of liberation. So I kind of had this spiritual vision, if you will, as laying there in Shavasana. Um, I don't, <laughs> wasn't on anything. I don't think I think I just had my morning <laughs> coffee, but, um, where I felt this like white wave of light sweeping over my body. And there was like a shadow and the shadow was the darkness, the heaviness, the, the heaviest parts 
the hardest parts of my life. And that white shadow, I could, that white wave was a light of love. And it was literally just sweeping over me like a wave hugging every cell with love. And that, and that was very freeing. So anyways, it's it's a little deep. I, I like to sometimes get more philosophical than psychological on my blog, but, um, I feel like that's also part of the human journey. So no, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I don't know if you saw, but while you were talking and explaining that a couple of times, I closed my eyes and I just turned inward, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're also the author of the Joy Journal, which you can purchase at theflourishingco.com. And can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about this Joy Journal and what sets it apart from other journals? Yeah. So, um, yes, it's the flourishing co's joy journal. Um, and it's basically, it's a little bit more than a gratitude journal. Um, it's a coaching tool that I use. It's kind of combined a few different coaching tools that I personally love and, and then shifted it into my own, my own format, if you will, my own words, my own iteration, but uh, I, th- I think a lot of people have kind of come across gratitude journals. You know, I highly recommend the five minute journal. I think it's wonderful as a gratitude journal. Uh, this journal is different because it goes through what are three things that you're grateful for, for your day. Um, but then it's also going to look at what are three things that you can do to take care of yourself today. And that is some of that self-compassion, that self-love and then because it's a coaching tool that there one feel good goal for your day, which I think is something that, you know, again, in essence of coaching, creating goals, moving forward, but making it feel good. Don't make it like a to-do or a chore, like, oh, I need to hydrate myself and drink, you know, 50% of my body weight and water. No, like what would be something that would be really fun to do? Maybe it's going outside for a bike ride today, or maybe it's, um, calling a dear friend, just a feel good goal. And then you come back each night and you reflect and savor on what's your best moment of the day. And what is one thing you did today to help yourself grow into who you're becoming? So really, again, taking that future oriented visioning approach of like, how are we moving things from present tense to future tense while still savoring and holding on to the best of the day and the gratitude? Um, and there's also a daily reflection each day, which is kind of taking the essence of morning pages, which is another tool or exercise that, um, people tend to use. Um, and, and so using that to just jot down thoughts for the day reflection, that's free form. Um, and it's just one page. So it's not like an extensive thing, like the three pages that you're supposed to do the 20 minutes you're supposed to do with morning pages, but just one simple page to just download your thoughts in the morning, um, or at any point of your day that you can, you can journal with. So I just want to integrate a bunch of those practices in one. And yeah, I mean, I create it, but I'm really loving it. I do it daily and it's funny, I actually created these and I wasn't, I wasn't using it. I was still using my five minute journal, um, which I love. Yeah. Um, and then one day I looked up and I said, why am I not using my own journal? And then I started doing it and I just felt it so gratifying and, and just richer, a richer experience for myself than uh, what I was doing elsewhere. So now I use it pretty religiously. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And also part of the flourishingco.com is the collective. Can you tell mm. us about the collective and their services or what this group is? Yeah. So, um, you know, again, maybe I'm just anti-capitalist. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I wasn't able to do this work on my own at the beginning of this podcast. I told you a story about my positive psychology coach. Well, she's on there, Stephanie Reed. You can find her yourself. She's amazing. Um, and you know, I really believe that we can't go through this life alone. We need the support and the social connection. That's a huge indicator of your happiness too, is the quality of your social connections. And so um, there are many coaches out there on their own island. And I just feel like 
in the essence of positive psychology, in the essence of collective well-being and making more of a societal shift. It's like, why not pull together and put the resources out there? So for me, it's like a curated group of people that have been instrumental in my journey, but also are available to others. So geographically, I moved from Boston to the West Coast a few years ago. So I have some people in the Northeast that I would recommend to clients who maybe are in the Northeast and want that in-person service. And that would be Stephanie and Chelsea, who are phenomenal. Um, And then I also have a new addition on there, Kendall, who is who I'm um, working with actively on some of these programming workshops. Um, And so again, she's helping me build that postpartum support group. Um, For some reason, I don't know how, (laughs) because this isn't something I was planning on getting into. Um, I am a mom of a toddler, but uh, both Chelsea, who I met through my executive coaching training and Kendall are doulas. um, And they really care about this work in terms of supporting mothers and supporting birthing parents. Um, And so they both have kind of drawn me in this direction. That's why we're doing some of this work around um, supporting birthing parents um, together. But uh, it's it's a new angle. And I, I do think that it is one of the most radical transformations people go through in their lifetime. So, you know, why not? Why not introduce it? Because you're hitting not only one generation, but at least two in that process, both, you know, parent and baby. So I, and I, it's pretty cool to see the research that, you know, some of these interventions and positive psychology not only work for us when we're out in the world in this life, but they work for unborn babies. They work for new infants. They work for childhood. And it's like, why not get a head start and implement these coping techniques and tools earlier in people's lives? So it's not this unlearning we have to do later in life. Um, when we're like, oh my God, I'm hitting a quarter life or a midlife crisis and I am unhappy and why am I unhappy? And so it's like, well, what if we give you coping tools from the beginning as a child that teach you what, what will help you sustain happiness? Um, so anyways, that's that, but that's, that's where it's growing and and going. And, And I would just say those, those individuals, we all kind of, um, it's a loose network. Uh, it's really a work in progress. Um, Allison, maybe you'll be on there next, you know, um, but really it's just to support the women in my life who I also know are offering the service, um, and offering support services to others using positive psychology as well. So I think that's amazing. Excellent. So with that said, I'm curious if you have a morning routine, uh, yes. And not every day. And I'm going to be honest about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Like totally understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's important to say because there's so many people out there in the well-being space who are like, and I do this and this and this, yeah. and I start with my celery juice. And then I do, you know, my morning exercise and then my 30 minute meditation. And then, you know, and it's like enough already. Okay. Like, for most of us, we're running out the door to a job. We've got kids to get out the door to school. We've got a dog to walk. Like we've got demands. Okay. And so, um, for me, it's really about how to make this sustainable and embodied and a ritual that you can carry with you. And even when you fall off track that it's easy to jump back on, um, because that's where the change happens is with consistency. So, um, generally speaking, yeah, like I've got a toddler, I'm like up really early, like trying to get her ready for preschool. Um, you know, we've got a dog too. There's all those things. And my husband works East coast hours while we're on the West coast. So he's already out of the house gone for the day. Um, but that said I do, I try to always do my, um, like I said, I'm a little bit religious about my, my joy journal with the flourishing co Um, and I, I do that most mornings. I meditate most mornings using an app. Um, it's pretty Mm -hmm. simple. Sometimes I meditate without an app. Um, there's journaling in here and I always am, I'm really religious about, we don't talk about this enough in positive psychology. And this actually came up at this conference I was at, uh, last week as well on positive psychology, but I think the field of positive psychology is coming to an acknowledgement finally, that we're not talking enough about physical health when we're talking about positive psychology and they are integrated. Um, so much of our physical, our gut health, all these things do relate to our mental health too. 
Um, so I'm really, really big on a high protein breakfast right now. And I'm really big on hydration where I'm drinking my electrolytes in the morning. Um, before I do anything else, I'm drinking my electrolytes in the morning. Um, I'm having my collagen and my coffee, which is about, um, you know, maybe a little bit more of my yoga teaching. I teach yin yoga, which is all about the connective tissue and the fascia and keeping that healthy. Um, so doing those pieces as well. And I will say that I'm like a little bit blessed, but, um, you know, we, we have a pretty amazing view from our home. We're overlooking like this natural field and then the Pacific ocean. But I do try to spend a few minutes every morning, just like staring out the window, not looking at my phone, just connecting with nature. Um, and so it's like, even if I can't go for a walk because, you know, I've got a toddler to get ready. I used to go for a morning walk. Um, I'm just being with nature for a few minutes in stillness. Um, and that's also a huge, uh, newsflash. The latest research (laughs) is that, um, you know, in positive psychology, it's always been social connection is like the number one indicator to your happiness. And you need to be having quality connections, this, this, and that. Well, Holly Ann Passmore, uh, who is a, a researcher in nature and positive psychology. And she just um, headlined, which the World Happiness Report is even headline here is talking about integrating now is um, nature connectedness, like our emotional connection to nature might be as big, if not bigger, an indicator to our happiness and social connection. And if you can do both, even better, um, because being in nature while socially connected to other humans is really good for our well-being. So I'm just going to put that as a little plug that if you're not connecting to nature, you may as well do so. And it's not about time in nature, but about your emotional connection to nature. So that could be houseplants like the one I have behind me or um, just feeling that, that connection rather than that separation with nature and the natural world. So um, yeah, so that's like my morning. It's pretty simple. It's not, it's not huge, but that's, that's pretty much it. So that's great. I love it. And I love that connection with nature. As I told you before we started the podcast, I go back to work next week. And as a classroom teacher, I'm literally, I feel like I'm locked in a box all day yeah. with the windows. So I've really been trying to take in nature these last few weeks before I return. Love it. Yeah, Maybe it's even something you use with your class where you do like mini breaks of, um, it could just be putting on like a live stream on your projector or something of birds chirping or, uh, you know, putting in some plants in the classroom or taking them outside for a minute, but I don't know what you're allowed to do. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. Sometimes I'll do, it's not the same, but nasatv.com where they're like, floating above the earth. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, and what are, I'm just curious, what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? And so greatly influenced my life and it's one to three. I don't know if it's the sake of the, where the conversation is. I feel like it does but the alchemist, I mean, I teach that to my seniors. <laughs> I love this book. I, you know, I don't know. I just love this book. I also, the four agreements is great too, but, um, this is definitely the alchemist because his name has been dropped so many times. Happiness advantage. If you're feeling at a crossroads in your career, or just disgruntled with work, this came, this book came into my life at that right moment too. So forever grateful for that. Um, I don't know if this, this is what's coming up today, but, um, the gifts of imperfection by Brene Brown as well, since we've been talking about perfection a lot in this conversation, that feels really pertinent, Mm -hmm. Uh, but there are just so many. And I feel like there are more, you know, like, um, there's this book, I think it's called a long way gone. If I were to really reflect back, I read it. I think it might've been in high school, mm-hmm. but that book resonates with me because it was about a man who was a child in Sierra Leone and ended up becoming a soldier, a child soldier. And then his whole, um, you know, um, uh, what's the word I want to say his kind of, um, recovery, if you will, from that 
uh, that whole process. And it was, you know, the UN humanitarian aid workers coming and helping him readjust to normal living. And it was all these mental health um, practitioners who came in to support the children. And now he's this like best-selling author and uh, Ishmael Bea is his name. Um, But I read that book and I must've been in high school or college and it really resonated because I was already doing human rights work. Um, and, and there was something about that. There's still something about that. Maybe I'm going to jump, jump ship and not be the flourishing co anymore. Maybe I'm applying to go be a humanitarian aid volunteer again, but about doing mental health with people who really need it, uh, in that setting and supporting them to flourish and in a new beginning and a new life and to see what was made of his life was just so, um, so hard and yet so inspirational. And the fact that he was writing this story and sharing his his story with others. So there was something about that book that spoke to me early. It was a clue, I would say, before I knew that I wanted to do any work related to psychology that maybe in hindsight mattered. So um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Um, okay. My next curiosity here is in the last five years, what new belief behavior or habit has most improved your life in the last five years what belief behavior or habit Mm -hmm. most oh my god (laughs) no I just have to think about it it's a really good question um because I think there's so much Mm -hmm. I think honestly slowing down and sitting in stillness you know, I moved from Boston about four years ago and in Boston, I don't know if it's all the higher ed institutions or the culture, but it's a little bit more type A and go, go, go than California. Um, and I was all about that. I, I thrived in it. I loved it. And um, California has softened me. Northern California softened me a bit. And um, I remember when we first moved out here, there was these these spaces in my life where I didn't have, I didn't have, I wasn't a parent yet. Um, and I didn't really have my coaching practice fully set up in Northern California yet. So it was a little stop and go with my, my East coast clients. Um, and I would just have these like periods where I would just go on walks in nature and I was very unplugged. I wouldn't even have my phone with me. And there was a lot of stillness, like a lot of quiet time. I didn't have friends out here. I didn't know anyone out here. So it's just like me in solitude. And I remember, um, I would talk to people about it on the East coast and they were like, savor that. That's amazing. You know, um, enjoy that. And I kind of had this doubt, like it would always be that way. And where are my friends, where are my clients, where's my life? You know, it's all on the East coast and lo and behold, you know, I had a baby, life picked up again. I started working at Pepperdine and then like, there was just so many other pieces that filled in. And now it is like, I dream about those days that I could just go for like a two hour walk in nature. And I still get those moments of solitude and stillness. You know, I teach restorative yoga, which is all about it and slowing down. And I realized there is profound wisdom and truth finding when we can eliminate distraction and there's so much of it in our world. So all the answers are there. If you're just courageous enough to sit still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more question and this is kind of my fun, silly question, but uh-huh. what is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Maybe something other people don't quite get. So an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love. Mm. I saw the smile. <laughs> well, it's funny because like I can answer that for my daughter instantaneously. And I don't know if it's true for me. You can share both if you want. <laughs> well, I was pregnant with her and um we were like at like a like a brewery. I wasn't drinking, don't worry. <laughs> um, oh no, the confession's coming. I'm just kidding. Yeah, is that the absurd habit? Um no. And um <laughs> No, but you know, it's like a sports bar. There's like pub food and on the TVs, there was like monster jam with the monster trucks. 
And, you know, I was getting so excited watching it. I was like, this is amazing. Like, I didn't know I liked monster truck competitions as much as I did, but like the, doing their flips, I was just like out of my seat, excited. And I was pregnant. And I, I actually said to my husband at the time, I was like, do you think this baby is going to love monster trucks? Well, lo and behold, my daughter loves monster trucks. And it's the weirdest thing because she's so girly, like loves her princess dresses, loves ponies, loves bows in her hair and loves monster trucks, like (laughs) no other. Um, And so that's kind of absurd. And I kind of appreciate it. Um, But I don't know, that might be more of a her thing than a me thing. For me, what do I get excited about? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I get really excited about like, I don't know. I mean, I get excited about things that I think are more normal though. Maybe they're not normal, but ice cream. (laughs) I get incredibly excited about ice cream. I get excited about, I like to get rowdy with people and I like, I like really dark humor, which people don't always expect about me. Um, I'm interested in the rowdy part. What do you mean you get rowdy with people? <laughs> what does that mean? I think it's just like the Northeast Boston side of me that comes out. You know, I'm Italian and Greek, like we're very yeah. loud. Um, and I find in California, I'm always trying to like provoke other people. I'm a little bit provocative in that way. Like try to provoke people to get out of their shell and be a little bit more, uh, carefree and and wild. Uh, there's something about that. There's just like a rebellious streak in me that I know my whole family has. Um, like my awesome, oldest brother. I never, I never would have described you as loud. <laughs> You're just oh yeah. Loud. No, no. If I'm like, especially if I'm in like a party or a noisy setting, my husband's like, keep it down. Like he's like, stop yelling. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no, that's, yeah, I get excited about people. So hence the work in positive psychology, like weirdly excited about people um, and having a good time. And yeah, the more obscene or not obscene, like they don't need to be, I don't appreciate it when people are just like going hard on the swearing for the oh, right. value, but like really good dark humor. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. <laughs> so being a positive psychology coach, you wouldn't expect it, but I really enjoy some of that. So it's fantastic. Anyone specific that you enjoy or a show that you're uh, going to name? <laughs> like, like comedians? Yeah. Or a favorite show that has dark humor. I'm just curious now. <laughs> um. I mean, again, it's just my Boston roots, like Bill Burr comes up, like, you know, like it's just like, you know, so I'm a great comedian. Yeah. I mean, I can't even believe I'm naming this right now because I wouldn't say he's like my favorite comedian, but he'll make me laugh. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's um, fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for your time and being on the podcast. Is there anything Mm -hmm. else about your work or you that you'd like to share that we haven't already covered? No, I feel like this has been pretty extensive and I'm just so grateful, Allison, for, for our connection and for you taking the time to get so curious about me. Um, and I'm just, you know, grateful and honored to share this work in positive psychology forward because it is a ripple effect. And I think the more hearts and minds we can touch with this work, the better. So if there's anything under the sun that I said or did, please reach out to me. I'm happy to begin the conversation together, even if it's on monster trucks. So um. yeah, for sure. And how can people connect with you or where can they find you? Yep. So they can find me at www.theflourishingco.com. And they can either fill out a contact form on there or my email is Angela at theflourishingco.com. You can follow me on Instagram at theflourishingco. Or yeah, that's basically it. Um, You can find me on LinkedIn there too. So great. Fantastic. It has been a pleasure. Okay, so there you have it. In this episode, we talked about The Flourishing Co., overcoming a sense of emptiness and meaninglessness, the capacity for levity and joy despite suffering, the distinction between positive psychology coaching and therapy, building new pathways in your life, 
personal measures of success, living a harmonic life, healing from perfectionism, loving the dark spots within us, and postpartum support groups. And don't forget to check out The Flourishing Co.'s Joy Journal at theflourishingco.com. Purchases can be made in their shop while supplies last. And it's back to school time, teachers. We need to make sure that we keep a little time for ourselves, which can be difficult at the start of the school year, and balancing work, family, and self. So save a little time when it comes to lesson planning and check out my shop on TPT called The Lemon Tree by AKS. There are some free lessons, organizers, and self-care downloads to help you kick off the school year right. So again, check it out at TeachersPayTeachers.com. My shop name is The Lemon Tree by AKS. And keep your eye out for site-wide sales, especially as we return to school. And finally, if you'd like some daily inspiration, you can also follow me on Instagram at The Lemon Tree Coaching. And thank you for all the kind comments, gratitude, and support. It is greatly appreciated. And feel free to reach out at any time. All are welcome to join the Lemon Tree Coaching community. And once again, this is Dr. Allison Sucamelli saying it's been a pleasure sharing this space with you. And until next time, have fun, be safe.